0: Get your phones out real quick, and I want you to scan this QR code. And uh, what we do every single week, we partner with Uversion, and uh, we put our sermon notes online as well. So don't get ahead of me, but you're able to uh, you download YouVersion, scan the code, put you right into the notes as well. But I also hope you be getting our U-version devotionals every single morning, as well. And I uh, hope you be getting that uh, uh, email at 5 a.m., text message at 8 a.m. And uh, yeah, we'll spam you. Yeah, we'll get you good now. And so make sure you sign up for the U-version devotional. And if you're fasting and praying, give yourselves a hand clap today. Come on! I'm proud of you, church. Uh, we have over almost, what, 200 people on the Uversion devotional. I'm uh, getting that every single day. We are praying, we're fasting together, and we are ready for worship night. So don't miss worship night. It's going to be incredible. The next generation say it's going to be bussin'. Okay. <laughs> Had to throw that in there because I'm a well-rounded pastor. But I want you to know today, <laughs> 11 a.m., I'll save that for 11 a.m. Uh, but I want you to know today is Connect One Day with uh, Lorenzo said. And uh, man, I want—I uh, just thought of something that I thought was fantastic. Because we have a culture of man, we 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 serve one, we worship one, or we worship one, we serve one, and that's the whole reason why we have two services. We have 30,000 square feet, plenty of room in this building, and God's been growing our church. The 11 a.m. service, y'all. The 11 a.m. service—we've been adding rows every single week at the 11 a.m. service. That's amazing. Um, but also, y'all are having children, everybody. Come on, be fruitful and multiply. And I want you to know, especially uh, the 11 a.m. as well as this service as well, but I want you to see these kiddos. Our rooms have been just full of children learning about God's Word. They've been uh, man, having memory verses, different activities that they do. Uh, Brittany and her entire uh, team, they've been doing an incredible job. So give it up for Avenue Kids team as well. I love this next picture, too. This is our three and five-year-old room, and then we have a nursery as well, and then a first through fifth across the way. A lot of people don't know. We have an entire building over there, and it's full of uh, first through fifth graders as well, and so we have a huge need right now, and this is why I'm so glad I Connect One Days today, and this is my favorite room because you can sit. Come on, somebody. You can sit and serve, all right? Not sit one, worship one, but you can, you know, and so you can sit in this room, uh, but I want to let you know that we have a need right now. We have, we have a lot of kids, and uh, with a lot of kids comes a lot of responsibility. And I want you to know that we are planning, we need to open up another classroom. Another classroom we need to open up at both 9.30 and the 11 a.m. And our classroom, though, is going to be a different age group. Right now we have nursery. We have uh, three and five-year-olds, and then we have first to fifth. We need to open up a two- and three-year-old room, a two- and three-year-old classroom which means we can move people around as well, but also you will not serve every single weekend, all right? It is not join an area and you're stuck there, you know? Like, um, I want you to know that we, we need your help. And so with that, Connect One Day is taking place right after the service. Pastor Lindsey's teaching that. I'll be in there as well. We have uh, child care is available, snacks, things like that. But, man, we would love for you to get connected to our church, learn a little bit bit more about yourself. But if you're saying, I know what my purpose is, I always say, serve your way to your purpose. Serve your way to your purpose. Now, if you got some PTSD on church serving, I'm going to be preaching about that a little bit today. But I want you to know this is a great place to serve. This is a healthy place to serve. We always make sure, especially Brittany and Lorenzo, they're going, hey, you've been serving um, a couple Sundays in a row, I'm taking you off. For a weekend. People are like, what? Yes, we want to make sure you're healthy. We're not here to task mask or be taskmasters. We're here to grow healthy disciples of Christ. Amen. And so make sure you say, uh, if you can, I, mean, I would love for you to. This can be your service that you sit in worship, get filled up, and then 11 a.m., invest in the next generation with us. Amen. Also, uh, all things are possible. I hope you guys are enjoying the series, week three. All things are possible. And if you got your Bibles, I got a word today, so let's just jump right into it. No fluff today. Mark chapter uh, nine. I ended last uh, last Sunday with this scripture. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. Some teachers of the religious law were arguing with the disciples. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe. This is what it should be like every single Sunday at Avenue. When we encounter Jesus, we're overwhelmed with awe. They ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke. I want you to see this. One of the men in the crowd. He separated himself from the crowd, and he spoke up. He said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Whatever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. He foams at the mound, he grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. They couldn't do it. I asked them to do it. They couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long I must be with you? How long must I put up with you? This is like parenting almost, right? Like how long is it going to take? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, says Jesus. Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. I kid you not, there is an attack on this generation. And we will protect them, we will lead them, we will guide them in Jesus' name. Then the Spirit often throws them into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? That's the Savior that we serve, everybody. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus? Anything is possible if a person Believes anything is possible. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my belief. I believe, but help me overcome my belief. So then, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, I command you to come out of this child, never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent Convulsion and left him. I would have left a long ago, everybody, right? And then the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. And he stood up. Let's pray to you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Father, I think your word isn't stories. Father, I think your word isn't a fairy tale. I think your word is a historical, it's accurate and it's historical. It really happened, it really took place. But I also thank you, your word is living, it's active, it's sharper than any double edged sword. Father, I pray may this information turn into transformation. May we be forever transformed by your word through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Everybody say it. Amen. amen and Amen. I got no more football teams to pray for, everybody. <laughs> no more. I want to let you know. Um, the title of my message, if you're taking notes today, is the title of my message is The Journey to the Impossible. The Journey to the Impossible. Now, I kind of have another uh, subtitle, and this is one that uh, sometimes uh, as a preacher, uh, I want to say, here's a title, and sometimes I feel like if I throw a title out there, it might be misunderstood. I just feel like this is a message or a title for this message for us, for you, for for myself today. Instead of maybe the journey to the impossible, we're going to be studying what the Father did and what Jesus did. But I almost feel like a better title would be Sunday... Then Monday. Sunday, then Monday. Um, this, this past week, well, I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, my son Derek, he's six years old, and uh, I said, you know, let's get him into sports. Levi's currently playing basketball, my 12 year old. And so I said, let's get Derek into sports. Let's, do, let's try flag football or soccer or something like that. So I signed up for flag football, and there's this little thing on the form that says, you want to coach. And I've coached my son Levi, uh, both, uh, man, baseball, soccer, uh, football, all of that. And I said, sure, why not? So it's like click the little things. I'm interested. Well, I guess that interest, much like a church, right? That interest becomes like a contract, <laughs> right? Like next thing I know, I'm the coach. Like I thought there's gonna be an interview process here. And of course, they did do background checks and all these different things. And, and so I, I believed. Right, I got the uh, 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 you know all the plays out ready. Now I, I, remember, this is five and six year olds, and so my, Levi's now my assistant coach, and and so before I got to that field, I believed I could coach kindergartners. I had to believe I could do it. When I got to that field, I lost unbelief, I lost all belief. It was like herding cats out there. It was like this is a ball. You know what I mean? Like, don't drop it, you know. And and it meant by the end of the game, we had a great time. The kids were somewhat making touchdowns, and it was a hot mess and chaotic. And I walked away going, okay, I believe, I don't believe, but I got through it because I did it. I got a little bit of belief that next Saturday is gonna be a little bit better. But I feel like for some of us on Sunday we come and we're we're ready. Where, I mean, maybe you walk in feeling defeated, but when we walk out, woo! I feel good. I was with like-minded believers. Man, I was with people that were building my faith. Man, I went up for it for prayer. Man, I heard a great message by a great-looking pastor. Come on, somebody. Come on. I need it. I need it. No. Man, I, man, I watched online, and, man, I got filled, and, and I'm just ready. I can move mountains. I believe all things are possible. Then Monday happens. Then Monday hits. Or Tuesday or, or Wednesday hits. And we're just like that father. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe that God can do it. And Monday you're saying, is it all even worth it? And I want you to see this. This father pulls out of the crowd. He says, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. I want us to see his journey to the impossible. I want you to see the father's journey in the impossible. He says, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And this is the phrase I really got stuck with. They couldn't, can you? Wow. They couldn't do it. But what can you do for me? And so many times we take this context and we say, Holy Spirit, what does this mean for me? It means the Father have faith in the wrong thing. And so many times when we, when, when we are believing for God to do the impossible, we want God to make the impossible possible. Sometimes, out of our desperation, we place our faith in the wrong thing. We place our faith in the wrong person. We place our faith—if uh, if you're believing for "I want to get out of debt"—we place too much faith in our job and our in our works. Man, I I want to I want to you know healthy this or healthy that. We begin to place our faith in the wrong thing. I would even uh, kind of go into a, a different territory and say sometimes we place a little bit too much faith. Or trust in the local church. I believe the local church is God's gift. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. But even this week, I was reading my Bible. Pastor Lindsay's on the couch and she goes, um, you know, honey, I go, yeah, babe. You go, you know, really in the Bible, it doesn't say to trust people. It says to trust God. And I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> you know. But it does. It says, it doesn't say trust the church. It says trust the Lord with all your heart. Amen. See, the church is where we gather together, to grow our faith, to give all faith to Jesus, to give all faith and glory to say, "You're worthy of it all." But Father, I'm believing you're going, to do, you're going to do the impossible. Father, I'm believing you're going to move heaven and earth. But I'm also believing in your. I have faith in your timing, and I have faith that I could trust you. And so, here in Mark chapter nine, sometimes we we have faith in the wrong thing, but this is what happened. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus. It threw the child into a violent convulsion, into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. And what does Jesus say? Jesus goes, How long has been happening. I want you to paint this picture. Here's Jesus. He's here. He did it. He made it. He arrived. He pulls out. Jesus, they couldn't do it. What about you? Right? So I have faith in them, but I'm going to put my faith back in Jesus. And all of a sudden they bring the child to him, the evil spirit sees him, starts convulsing on the ground. Jesus doesn't go, come out. Jesus goes, How long has this been happening? Because it shows the, the authority that Jesus has. Jesus wasn't panicked. Jesus wasn't surprised. But Jesus said, How long has this been happening? Now if I was a disciple, I'd be like, I don't know what's going on here. Be better back up. We hear sometimes when we're believing, when we're on a journey to believe for the impossible. I want us to know that sometimes it gets worse before it becomes possible. Sometimes we think it should be like, you know, the valley. Yeah, I walk through the valley. Sometimes we think when we encounter Jesus, it needs to be nothing but mountaintops. It needs to be nothing but better and better and better and better. But sometimes before your breakthrough happens, sometimes there's a breakdown. Sometimes the enemy comes in and goes, oh, no, don't you dare join that 90-day giving challenge. Don't you dare join that 21-day challenge. Don't you dare pray and fast. Don't you dare. I would even garner to say you probably had more attacks on your life since you started fasting because the enemy doesn't want you to encounter what God has for your life. It got really quiet in here. Some people raised their hands. But some of you went... <laughs> because sometimes this is Sometimes we say, as as pastors and preachers, I have to apologize to our online audience, to you guys that are here. Sometimes we say, when you give your life to Jesus, it's going to get better. It's going to be so much better. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Because sometimes at the local church, we say, hey, if you accept Jesus, it's going to get better. But I have to tell you, sometimes we define possible as perfect when really miracles are messy. Miracles are messy because if it wasn't messy, then we wouldn't need a miracle. And I wish I could say, it's amazing. It's actually quite easier not the belief for the possible. It's actually easier to say, I, you know what? If you don't have high expectations, then you'll never be let down. I would rather be let down. I'd rather see a miracle take place. Because here's what Hebrews 11, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. We cannot stop hoping. We cannot stop hoping that, that faith shows reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. If we have faith in the wrong thing, but also there's a great book called The Stages of Faith. And this particular author, theologian, he lists down seven different stages of faith. Now, what I have done is I have taken each stage because I'm a I'm a uh, a great pastor, and I want to take all these wordy faith uh, uh, phrases and I made them into one word. I want you to see this church. It's gonna go really quick. Here's the stages of faith. Stage one, it's belief. And sometimes when we get mm-hmm. here, we say, "God, you get you better do a miracle because I believe." But did you know even the demons in hell believe? Belief is just that first initial faith. The demons go, oh, we, we believe God can do amazing things. That's why we do what we do. That's why we got to attack. That's why there's spiritual warfare that takes place. But we got, there's belief. And then the second stage is trust. This is where we say, I trust the Lord with my life. This is where we say, I trust that, uh, man, and it's, it's always a journey. And, and hear me out. It's not like boom, 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 hey! You can go up and down because of trials and tribulations and doubts and fears and church hurt and people and individuals and circumstances. We can go up and down in these stages. But the second one is trust. The third one is obedience. I believe. I have trust. But did you know you can believe and have trust and still not obey? And so faith without works is dead, and so and I have to have obedience. There are many things that we believe, and there's many things we will trust God to, for God to do, and there's many things we want to obey in, but we haven't taken the risk. Some of you are really good risk assessment people. You're really good at saying, okay, Lord, if I do this, I'm going to make a deal. In our house, we said this with our little one, we don't make deals in this house. We don't negotiate with terrorists. What does that mean? I don't want to make a deal with God. I just want to trust Him. I want to trust Him. And so there's a risk that takes place. But then, way right up here, then there's vision. Then you begin to see things. Then you begin to walk into a room and see a room filled with children. Then you begin to walk into a room and say, I see our city, not sin city, but, but grace city, because sin abounds, there's grace abounds much more. I, I see this building filled with people. I see Avenue in another building. I see, why is it about buildings? No, it's about souls. It's about people. But there are things you begin to see in the Spirit. And this is all part of faith. But then there's expectation. Another word is preparation, where you begin to expect God to do things. It's going to happen. I will be healed someday. It will happen. They will get saved someday. My older brother, John, I love you. You said you never watched me. Maybe you are now, but I've been praying for you, John, for you to give your life to Jesus. I expect it to happen because my God is too good and he's too great. For my brother to go to another place and then the last one is loyalty and so he says i believe but help my help my unbelief i believe but help my unbelief he says have mercy on us if you can what do you mean if i can anything is possible to a person who believes then the father said this and this was so interesting to me i believe but help me overcome my belief I believe, but help me overcome my belief, my unbelief. I'm saying that. I said it twice, Pastor Lindsay. Thank you so much. I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Sunday, then Monday. Sunday, then Monday. Thank God. I can't hear, but I can read lips. Praise the Lord. That means back row, you better watch out. I read those lips way back there. What he was really saying was he was really saying, "I believe, but I doubt. I believe, but I doubt. I believe, but I doubt." It's like a contradictory statement, right? I know. Okay, I don't know. Uh, have you ever said yes to something you didn't know? Have you seen that show? Yes, and then they start describing it. I haven't seen it. You know. I believe. But I doubt. So I went into a deep dive this week. And as a pastor, I always want to teach what I've learned myself. I'm not going to just, you know, preach, preach, preach. But there are three different thoughts or train of thoughts from several theologians as they studied the statement. Why did this father say, I believe, but, but I doubt? I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now, we have a little bit of understanding in the stages of faith But still, how can you believe, which is step one, but still have unbelief? There's three different thoughts or notions that I believe we could take away from in our faith journey this morning. And the first one is that he had delegated faith. He had faith for others, but not for himself. He's saying, God, I believe you could do miracles, but help me believe you could do it for me. Isn't that good? I believe you can resurrect the dead. I believe you can you can be, you know, heal their finances, heal their marriage, heal their bodies, heal their minds. But Lord, will you do it for me? I mean, I grew up in the local church, and growing up, even hard of hearing, and and been to every witch conference, and I begin to see people signs and wonders take place. Begin to see people get healed, and I would say, yes, I believe God is so awesome. But then on Monday mornings, when I wake up, I go, but what about me? And I grew up in a church where people said, "You don't have enough faith." Oh, I have faith. Yeah, oh, I have faith. I have faith. I have faith. I man, I would go to school without hearing aids because I have faith. And then my mom had to come in and go, "Your hearing aids." I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> "I have faith." But many times I felt like maybe those were the prayers I was trying to pray. I believe, but may help me overcome my belief. I believe. Maybe you're here today because you believe. But you're saying help my belief. I'll believe for you. I know we have many intercessors. They're gonna call down heaven and earth heaven and earth down for you. But sometimes wonder if we'll call down heaven and earth for ourselves. Yeah. We have faith. If faith is the faith is the substance of things we hope for. I love this. Pastor Lindsay shared this with me this week. We have faith for the impossible. But do we have hope that it's for us? We have faith for the impossible. Man, I'm so fired up in this series. But man, do you have hope for you? you have hope for God to move in your life? Yeah, you know, I'm just, Pastor Jeremy, I'm a very, <laughs> especially being a single dad of two young boys this week, I'm very human very, very human. I was angry, but I sinned not. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. But did you know, I'm just, I'm still a child of God, just like you're a child of God. And you don't need me to hear from God. You need to hear from God. God wants to speak to you. God wants to lead you and guide you. God wants to build your faith. God wants to do miracles in your life just as much as he wants to do miracles in my life. And so, man, maybe he had delegated faith, but the second one was maybe he had dwindled faith. Maybe, maybe he had dwindled faith. A faith that has weakened. Hey, someday we'll have a touchscreen. It'll be amazing, right? I have faith. We will have a touchscreen someday. <laughs> but there's maybe he had dwindled faith. Maybe it dwindled a little bit. Theologians believe, Jesus said, how long has this been taking place? Because Jesus wanted him to verbalize his faith. And he's ever since he was a young boy. What theologians believe, or some commentators believe, that when, when the boy was first born and it started happening, this father was saying, God, heal this child. God, I want to pray over this child. This child will be healed. But how many know our faith can dwindle? How many know faith doesn't disappear, but sometimes faith dissipates? Sometimes our faith gets a little bit weaker. Sometimes we say, I believe, especially when we first get saved, right? We want everybody to have to, to know to know Jesus. But sometimes we lose that faith like a child. Sometimes we get too mature that we don't even believe like we used to believe. Sometimes as we climb up those stages of faith, sometimes we accidentally climb back down. Church, I don't want to tell stories of miracles that happened five years ago, or 10 years ago, or 20 years ago. I don't want, don't ask me about a 20 year old miracle, ask me about yesterday's miracle. Ask me about today's miracle. But sometimes we just, our faith dwindles. And just like last week, I hope you heard last week's message, sometimes we begin to speak a little bit more doubt. Or we begin to speak a little bit more negativity than positivity, than than faith. That he believed, that he believed. And they believed this was his last Hail Mary when he was in the crowd and his son was with him. And he said, there he is. And he asked the disciples, will you do it? Can you do it? And it didn't work. And he said, what else is there? I've tried everything. They believe he went to the tabernacle. They believe he went to the, the, the church. They believe they went to the high priest, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They believe he did not give up. But time after time, he grew weary. He grew weakened in his faith. And this was his last ditch moment. That is why he was a little bit crass with Jesus. That's why he said, if you can. If you can. And Jesus said, if I can all things are possible who believe do not lose your belief don't lose your belief and here's the last one is death faith is death faith faith that has disappeared oh i just got no no more faith uh, it's i pastor been there done that it's just a reality of life been there, I think, I don't know if miracles are for today. I don't know if, yes, God will do it for them, for their life. You know you have, you have, and hear me out, you have dead faith or you think you have dead faith when you hear about a miracle about somebody else and you go, didn't really, know. No. Oh, no, it was, it was because they took a medicine. Right. It was because they did this or that. It was, that's a little bit, that's a bit of a stretch, Pastor. And I know pastors can exaggerate, but not us, right, Pastor Lindsay? You know, um, have you ever have you ever lost something? I mean, you lose something, you're looking all over for it. And after looking for a little bit, you start blaming other people. You know what I'm talking about? Like them darn kids. They know not to play with my glasses. Them darn kids took my glasses on Christmas Eve. I couldn't even read the screens. Where are my glasses? I need to... I'm 40 now, hearing aids and glasses, pray for me. I where's my, where's my glasses? Pa, Lindsay, Lindsay, where's my glasses? She'd be like, she started laughing at me, they're on your shirt. Oh, okay. Then you feel kind of silly, blaming everybody else for something that you just lost. Friends, your faith isn't dead, your faith isn't lost, it's still on you. That was good, huh? You like that? That was, like, was that good? Come on, that was good. That was good. But in all seriousness, you cannot lose your faith. Faith is only, the Bible says, faith, just as the body is dead without breath, so is faith dead without good works. Yes. So how do I resurrect my faith? Do good works. How do I resurrect my faith? If you've got dead faith, get your button to connect one day. If you got dead faith, tell somebody about Jesus. If you have dead faith, I want you to start praying big prayers. If you have dead faith, I want you to start journaling like you've never, never journaled before. If you have dead faith, I want you to participate in good works. We don't do works to get saved. We do works because Jesus placed them inside of us. We have good works. And so for many of us, we have the belief, and we have the trust, and we have the obedience man we got to take that risk we got to have risk because sometimes even though I believe and I trust these two areas here they're closely related because you say I'm going to obey but also there's some areas in your life that God wants you to obey just to test you but it isn't quite yet a risk but then there's another area in your life where God says well I'm glad you're tithing. Uh, I'm glad you're reading your word. Uh, I'm glad you're, you know, you're doing the things that I've asked you to do. But also now I want you to give it all away. I want you to tell that stranger about me. I, I want you to go there. I want you to whatever specific instruction God has for your life. So faith must be demonstrated not just discussed. Man, faith comes by hearing. But faith without works is dead. So many of us were in the level of just saying that this is good. If you're here, that's okay. Good. Speak faith. Speak faith. God will and he'll do it for me. God will and he'll do it for me. But then it's time to take a step of faith. But when the father said, so you don't, you might have you know dwindled faith and delegated faith, or you may feel like you had death, dead faith. But every single one of us in this room, even you online, we all have a measurement of faith. Yes. It could be the size of a mustard seed. It can be itty-bitty, itty-bitty, like a chia seed. How's that? A kai berry, you know. It could be small. Sorry, I'm fasting. But when the Father said, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. There's something powerful that he said, and this is what he said. He said, the father's awareness of his own doubt is a testament to his strong faith. So when you say, I have doubt, you're actually having great faith because you're not sweeping under the rug. You're not avoiding it, but you're saying, I believe, but I doubt, I I believe, but the key word he said is, help me, help me. He wouldn't have been so conscious of his unbelief if he didn't have faith in Jesus. When we acknowledge our weakness, we are positioning ourselves to ask for help. We are positioning ourselves to ask for help. I am so proud every single week somebody raises their hand to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. That's saying, help! I'm so proud when people come forward to our prayer team and they say, hey, I'm in this situation. Will you pray for me? I don't care who's seeing me up here. I don't care. I don't care about anything. I just need you to pray for me. I believe, but I have unbelief, so I need you to build my faith. That's asking for help. But here's the good news today. Our doubts have no impact on whether or not God can do the impossible. And somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that today. Our doubts have no impact on whether or not God can do the impossible. There have been so many situations in in Pastor Lindsay and my life where we believed and it did not come to pass. Where we believed we did not see it happen. Where we believed and we had doubts and we had fears. We had concerns. And we still saw God the impossible in our lives we still see God we still saw God before the, the miracle came it got messy before the miracle came we got hurt before the miracle came we got blindsided before the miracle came we got rejected before the miracle came man it felt it, it was gone. is this even worth it but how many know you still have belief you can still have doubt if faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to push through it. Yeah. yeah. Psalms 23. Ye, I walk through the valley of death. Yeah. Through it. Through it. And here's what it is. So the boy appeared to be dead when Jesus prayed for him. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. And this is significant. And he helped him to his feet and he stood up. He's dead! And Jesus picked him up and helped him to his feet. This is symbolic, the reason why Jesus, Jesus could have said, just like he said to the lame man who was brought down from the roof, get your mat and get up. Stand up. But this particular reason, because they said, he's dead, Jesus took him up by the hand and lifted him up. The reason why he did that, because it's closely connected to Ephesians chapter 2. God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much, that even though we were dead in our sins, he gave us life. Why? When he raised Christ from the dead. I have dead faith, but Jesus is saying, you're not dead, I just need to resurrect you a little bit. I need to do something in your life. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It's symbolic. Everything Jesus does, he does it with purpose, and he does it with meaning, even if it stings a little. He lifted us up. When Jesus saw Lazarus was dead, he said, come out. And he said, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. The last thing I want to close with as our worship team comes up, there's faith in the original word is actually pistis. Pistis. And the immature version of me wants to continue on with that. Pistis. But pistis means a state of certainty with regard to be. Or it also means, and there's several other words, but also pistis is faith. This is faith. Pistis. Do you have pistis? I'll stop. Pistis. don't shake your head at me, honey. She's, she's teaching Connect one day after this service, which means she won't be here the 11 a.m. It's faithfulness. Faith. Jesus said, some translations say, you have little faith, Jesus said, faithless. Yeah. The word used here in this context, faithfulness. Yeah. Because really, at the top of that stage pyramid, that stage deal, not just loyalty, it's faithfulness. Yeah. That's why Jesus, when I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, they couldn't do it. Jesus said, You faithless people. And remember, we have to read the Bible in the context of grace. Jesus was going, what's wrong with you? Come here! He was saying, you got to be faithful. Because faith isn't telling God what you want. It's being faithful. I've been learning this. You know what it means to be faithful? It means, God, if you never do a miracle in my life, I'm still going to be faithful. God, if you if you never, ever, ever, ever show up, I'm still going to be faithful. God, no matter how hard it gets, I'm still going to obey your word. No matter how hard it gets, I'm still going to pray and fast every January. No matter how hard it gets, I'm going to read my word. I'm going to pray. No matter how how great doubt becomes in my life, I'm still going to serve you. I've had many moments in my truck or in my car in these past 20-some years sitting there going, God, where are you? What's happening? What's taking place? There have been some services before, and I'll sit in my chair, I'll go in the back, and I'll pray and say, God, is this worth it? Is this Is this what? And doubt begins to creep in. But I'm still faithful. I'm still faithful. I'm so glad what God has done in these past three years. He's done a work in our lives. And most things that we thought were impossible have become possible in our lives. We have seen God move, not because of my faith, but because he is faithful. We are faithful because God is faithful. And this was fascinating. Afterwards, Jesus was alone with the disciples when they asked him, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus said, this kind can be cast out only by prayer, and remember the New King James Version and fasting. What's interesting is, never realized this before. If you remember in Mark chapter 6, Jesus sent them out, 12 disciples together. He began to send them two by two, and he gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits. So they've already done it before in Mark chapter 6, but here's Mark chapter 9 they couldn't do it. And the reason is because they believed the disciples. They had faith in old wineskins. They had faith in what they did yesterday, but they didn't have faith for what they could do today. I believe, but help my unbelief, Sunday, but then Monday. Friends, Bible says there's, we cannot have old wineskins. We cannot have old experiences. We cannot hold on to the old church experiences. We cannot hold on to the old salvation experiences we have. We need it today, and every single day. Now I got to close, and that's the reason why uh, Lorenzo came up for this service, before the sermon. But there's a man in the Bible named Saul, and he was killing Christians, and he had such a belief. He believed that what he was doing was godly because Christians of the way weren't following the one true God. So he was killing them. Killed Stephen, made him a martyr. And then one day he was going down the road to be able to kill another Christian. Also God knocks him off his horse. And he goes, who are you? Jesus. I believe. Help my unbelief. Uh, who are you? Lord. And God says, and God begins to speak to him. God changes his name from Saul to Paul. And Saul, or Paul, writes most of the New Testament. And in 1 Timothy, he's writing a letter to Timothy, one of the youngest pastors in this region, who even the Virgin, uh, 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 Jesus' mother, the Virgin Mary, attended his church. And this is what he says to her, even though to Timothy, even though I used to blasphemy in the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted his people. But God have mercy on me, I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that only comes from Jesus. Friends, here's the good news for us today. We have grace in our unbelief, and there's grace for you today. Will you stand with me, please, real quick? And I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Worship team, go ahead and start singing. And what I want you to do this morning is I want you to move from belief to trust to obedience to risk. And with your every head but of eye closed, I want you to have vision. I want you to envision God doing the impossible in your life. I want you to envision being free from addiction. I want you to envision having a healthy heart and a healthy mind. I want you to envision having a healthy marriage. I want you to envision, I want you to envision the good things that God has for your life. I want you to envision those dreams coming to pass. I want you to think about it. I want you to daydream about it this morning to say, God, what if you did, if you can? And just take a moment today. Come on, team. I hope you saw it, man. As your pastor, I'm not going to preach to 300 people. I'm going to preach to thousands, man. As a father, I'm not raising two boys. I'm max three. As a husband, I'm not just. whole hope you make it. As a husband, I see Pastor Lindsay and I. We're old, but we don't look that old. Mm, I still got hair. 80, 80 with a six pack. Sitting on our front porch. Charitable the goodness of God. 90. 100. 100 wow, I won't get that old. But there's grace for you today. If you're here today and you say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, I believe He broke some things off of you in your life regarding faith, doubt, unbelief. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Just raise a hand. That's all I'm going to do today. I'm not embarrassed. You won't single you out. Just raise a hand. Yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Yes, one, I see that. I'm so proud of you. Anyone else? Come on. Come on. Let's all pray that prayer together. Online audience, please hit that like button, hit that comment button, put a hand emoji, whatever you got to do. Right? Just hit your keyboard and hit enter. so we know. Let's all pray this prayer together. And then let's all go to connect one day. Yeah, yeah. Let's pray, dear Jesus. Everyone lift your voice, say, dear Jesus. Say, thank you. For dying on the cross, for me, they forgive me of my sins. They be Lord of my life. Say the best way to you know how I'm gonna live for You. They now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Come on, everybody, give God a shout of praise today. Come on.